God with us. That's what it is all about. That's what this celebration tonight is all about. And that Jesus came to earth. And that God decided in his miraculous grace and mercy and his love that we can't comprehend to come to us because we couldn't go to him. No way we could reach him, no way that we could attain his holiness, no way we can present enough credit to say, yes, I'm deserving. He had to come to us, and he did. Didn't have to. He didn't have to do any of it because he's God and because he's holy and because we're not, he could have said, sorry, I gave you a chance and you blew it. But don't you love the love of God that he would send his son and that he would do it in a way that showed the humility of God. We don't talk about the humility of God very often, do we? Christ was humble. Christ took on the form of a baby, a child. How would the king of the universe come as a child? And yet he came to show his purpose and he came to show why he redeemed us because we needed redemption. You ever wondered what it was like to be there that night? Have you ever kind of placed yourself, I know we've got Christmas cards and we've got pictures, but have you ever really thought about it viscerally? What was it like to be there? What was it like to be a shepherd and to walk up to that stable and to see the baby and to see Joseph and Mary? To take it all in visually and emotionally and spiritually and intellectually and to say, this is the baby. This is the one the angels just talked about. This is the one that the angel said, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The Messiah that Israel had waited for for so long. The Savior that the world needed so badly. The shepherds were the first responders. They were the first ones that came. They were the first ones to see the child after he was born. And when they were told this news, there was no hesitation. There was no trying to figure it out or should we go or is this worthwhile or, or we got other things to do. They went right away and they took in this amazing experience as the first ones to see what heaven had talked about. You know, when I look at the Christmas story, and I've read it and preached it many times, but when I look at it, there are two uh, groups of figures that intrigue me. One is Joseph, because he's in such a difficult and challenging position, not only having to trust the Lord, but having to trust Mary. Probably it was almost easier to trust the Lord at that point, because there were so many people talking about him, and so many whispers, and so much peer pressure, and maybe family pressure to, to get rid of her, and to... To, to divorce her quietly as he thought about doing. But he stuck with her and he trusted her that what she was telling him was right. And then the angel confirmed it to him. So Joseph has always intrigued me. But the shepherds have always intrigued me too. Because they have really the least personal investment of anybody in the Christmas account. They could have heard the news and said, well, that's interesting and exciting. But I don't know, it's a little... Little sketchy to us. I don't know what that was all about. So maybe we should take some time and think about it and, and kind of ponder it. Maybe we'll go. Maybe we won't. They, they could have done that. So what made them go? What made them leave 
their flocks and go down into Bethlehem because it wasn't right next door. They had to travel a little bit. What made them go in and, and hurry into town? And what does that tell us about them? And what does it tell us about us? We saw Sunday morning that the angel validated that the baby was really God with us, that he was really the one who had come to save us from our sins. So, so he had given that word to them. There was, there was living proof of that that would have made them eager to go see Jesus. But, but why did they go? What does it reveal about their character and about their faith? And as we gather on Christmas Eve on the verge of yet another year, can you believe it's almost 2015? As we stand on the verge of another year, are, are we really understanding what it means to have a desire for the Lord? We waver back and forth as believers, I think. Let me talk just to believers for a moment. We waver back and forth in our devotion, our commitment, and our desire for the Lord. But, but as we look at what the shepherds do, for some reason it's just inspired me more this year than ever of how they respond. Now, let's look at the text just for a minute. We read it earlier and. I don't want to belabor it, but hopefully it's now familiar to you. And I want to just take a few minutes tonight. I want to be sensitive to your time. But just, let's just draw some truth and some spiritual application out of this passage in Luke chapter 8. Because we read the same region, there were shepherds staying in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said, don't be afraid. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Here's where I want to focus, verse 15. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Now here we see the second greatest message ever given to mankind. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. You say, well, if that's the second greatest message, what's the first greatest message? The first greatest message is, he is not here for he is risen as he said. Because that was the proof and fulfillment of what the angels said. They can declare unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior is Christ the Lord. But unless he actually goes through with the cross and unless he actually defeats sin and death, a declaration is nothing. But when he defeated sin and death, it proved that what the angel was saying was right. That God really do, did love the world so much that he gave his only son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This was the validation that, that was here by the angel. And I pray, as I said earlier, that every single person in this room knows that truth tonight. If you don't know that truth, if you have not trusted Christ as your Savior... I would be remiss in not saying before you go, you need to trust him. You need to put your confidence in him. God sent his son to die and rise again for you to deliver you from sin. And if you walk away from that, you're missing the opportunity God has given you to be forgiven and redeemed for your sins and to be secured with eternal life forever. 
Now that was the message that came to the shepherds. And, and it seems odd, it's always seemed odd to me that, that this message didn't go to, to some king or some prophet or some person that, that had uh, wide reach in terms of their influence. Why not go to somebody that, that had the authority and the respect socially to make this declaration and to let everybody know? It, it didn't make any sense on face value to go to a shepherd. Because shepherds were not exactly model citizens. Uh, we could use the word sketchy or shady. That would be a good word to describe who they were. They were not valued in society. They were really the dregs of society. They were held in contempt socially. And they were viewed as highly questionable morally. And they were considered so untruthful and so uh, unreliable that they weren't even allowed to testify in court because their reputation was so sullied and so bad in society that, that when you saw a shepherd, it was like, ooh, I can't be anywhere near them. So God sends his angels, not, not to a king, and not to a prophet, and not to a priest. He sends his angel to shepherds. Good news of great joy, which shall be to all people, goes to the shepherds first. Why? Because they were average. They represent you and me. The gospel is not for the elite of society any more than it's for the poor of society. It's not for people that see themselves as righteous. It's not for black. It's not for white. It's not for Asian. It's not for African. It's not for any one group of people. The gospel is for everyone who believes. It's right there in the text. Good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. If it was limited in any way, the Holy Spirit wouldn't say that because he'd be a liar. As many as believe in him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The shepherds get the news and they represent you and me. They represent the average people of society. And here they're, they're people that are carrying a lot of social baggage with them. They're seen as morally compromised. They're, they're seen as, as, as having a stigma. And, and you know what? When people look down on you and when people are critical of you or they think you're worthless, eventually that starts to get to you, right? And, and they had to be having a little bit of insecurity whenever they went into town and people were like, oh, there are the shepherds. <laughs> they're not the Pharisees and they're not the scribes and they're not normal people. They're shepherds, kind of like Pigpen in the Christmas story, right? Oh, there's Pigpen. That's how the shepherds were looked down on. So they're insecure and they're feeling some measure of separation. And whatever the case may be, they are the first ones to hear the arrival of the Savior of mankind. What a testament to the fact that the gospel is for every one of us. I stand before you tonight as a sinner. I am a sinner thousands and tens of thousands of times over. Without Jesus Christ, I'm full of shame and I'm full of guilt. I'm a spiritual outcast and I'm destined to hell because that's what sin does. Sin separates you from God. And yet because of Jesus Christ and because of God's grace, it has been shed abroad on us so that we can be delivered and freed from that sin forever. 
And I don't know what baggage you came here with tonight. I don't know what you're carrying tonight. I don't know what's weighing on your spirit tonight. Whether you don't feel good enough for the Lord or you say, Paul, it's a great message, but, but you know what? I've got so many sins and I've done far worse things than you could ever imagine. God couldn't possibly forgive me of that. And I'm telling you right now, he can and he will. The message went to the shepherds, the average people, the dregs of society, the outcasts. They represent you and me in our sin. And God said, I've got good noise of great joy. It's to all people. And you're going to hear it first. You're going to hear it first. And I believe that's part of the reason when you look at the text, why the shepherds are so excited by the news. It really struck me as I looked at verse 15 and verse 16 year, uh, this year, how, how much anticipation they had about seeing Jesus. And it's really marked by, by two details. One is that nothing in the text, I, I can't find it, I looked at all four Gospels, I can't find anything in the text that suggests that they took time to make provision for their flocks. Even though it's their livelihood, even though it's what they do for a living, whether they're self-employed or whether they work for an employer, they are responsible for those sheep as they're sitting out in the wilderness. And we all know that sheep, when they don't have a shepherd or when they don't have a, a sheepdog, are prone to wander away. So, so to leave their flock in the middle of the night would have been reprehensible and it would have caused them to lose their livelihood. You say, well, well, they got somebody to look after them. It's the middle of the night. Who's going to get out of their bed in the middle of the night and go out to the field and watch the sheep while they bother to go into town and find out of some baby that some angel told them about? Even if they could do that, it would have taken a lot of time for them to find somebody to, to handle those logistics. But the text says, look back at it, the text says that they went straight to Bethlehem in a hurry. There was no time to hesitate. They had just heard good news of great joy. And that news is so profound and so life-changing that they drop everything and go to verify it. There's no time to be distracted. There's no time to be dissuaded. There's no time to debate it. The message was too great. And I was convicted by that as I was studying that. I say, how often do I fail to feel that way about living for Christ? How often do I fail to feel that way about the Word of God? So many distractions. I cannot believe it is Christmas Eve. Seriously. Like that December went. So many distractions. So many things on our minds. So many things pressing. The stress. The anxiety. And did I get the right gift? And did we get everything done? And has the food all been made? Or when are we going to the family's house? And, and this and this and this and this. And we don't have the understanding, I think, not being critical, I'm being critical of myself. We don't have enough time of understanding that we need to drop some things and focus on the Savior. They were in a hurry. They went right to Bethlehem because the news was life-changing and nothing was going to take priority over that. But by leaving, they risked losing everything. By leaving, they put their lives and their livelihood at risk. And the potential of how this would change their lives was significant. But they recognized that this message from the angel offers far greater security than anything they could know. And apparently there wasn't any cost that mattered other than the Savior. They couldn't wait another minute to know him. 
you think about the implication and the application for our own lives, that's what it's like when you really know Jesus Christ, when you really love Jesus Christ. Everything else pales in comparison to the joy of knowing him. Jesus even said, you should love me so much that it seems like you hate everything else in comparison. Do we love Christ like that? I mean, really, this is Christmas Eve. This is the time to say it. Do we really love Christ like that? How accurately does what the shepherds did describe you and me? I mean, on the eve of the birth of the Savior, of the day we celebrate that Jesus was born, does he look at our lives and say, that song you sang earlier, that describes you, Paul Rhodes, that describes you, believer, that your life has been given as an offering and a living sacrifice to me, that you love me so much and you are so full of anticipation of what I'm going to do in your life that it is the absolute preoccupation of your heart. Shepherds didn't hesitate. And I don't know about you, but I pray for myself and my family, and I pray for you that in 2015, we would not ever hesitate when the Lord calls. That when God moves, we would say, how quickly do you want me to move with you? I'm not even going to hesitate because you're about to work. The other detail that stands out about the response is the proximity of where they are. Look at it back in verse 8. It says they were in the same region. In other words, they weren't right in town. They weren't watching the sheep right in the center of Bethlehem. They were out in the fields. And, and in the time I've been to Bethlehem, it's just, it's just little hills. It's very beautiful. Very barren, but very beautiful. Outside of Bethlehem is just rolling hills, and you can picture it. I think Christmas cards picture it well. You can picture the shepherds out there kind of under the stars and, and sitting watching their flocks, and it was kind of quiet, and the, the town's over off in the distance, and maybe there's a, a light or two from a torch. Very quiet and very still, and all of a sudden, the, the angel appears. Now, now, what did it mean? Why is it significant that the Holy Spirit in that Verse, verse 8 says, in the same, same region, the shepherds were watching their flocks. Well, it's very likely from historical research that these were the ones who were watching the sheep that were sold to foreigners who came to the temple to make a sacrifice. We know when Jesus came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, what we call Palm Sunday, that he went into the temple and he was angry because people were selling sacrifices to foreigners who were coming in and didn't bring a sacrifice. So they think, well, why bother carrying the sheep or the dove all the way to Jerusalem when we travel? Let's make it easy on ourselves. Let's get one when we're there. And people had set up in the temple, in the church lobby, and they were selling the sacrifice to the person coming, hey, yeah, I'll take one of those. And they'd gouge them in price. And then they'd buy one and they'd walk in, hey, we brought our lamb like they had really thought and prepared and prayed and found the spotless lamb, the one that really represented the sacrifice. They were very cavalier about it. And Jesus, when he comes into the temple on Palm Sunday, says, no, 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 this is not what my house is for. My house is to be a house of prayer and of sacrifice for the Lord. This is not a place where you can just casually go about it. And research, it said that, that these men are watching the sheep that were going to be sold into the temple for the sacrifice. And that struck me because when they get the message and they hear, look at it, do not be afraid. You bring good as a great joy to all the people. And to you is born this day in the city of David, 
a savior. I believe that the revelation that came into our hearts at that moment was that these sheep that we're watching are inferior. These sheep that are going to be sold by the people that are making a profit over the work of the Lord, that we don't need them anymore because the Lamb of God has come. We, we don't need these sheep. The sacrifice of sheep doesn't have any bearing. We have to do that once a year on the Day of Atonement. And, and that's, that's not needed anymore because God has sent His own sacrifice. He sent His own Savior. And this Savior will be forever. So when they get the message, they say, finally, the true Savior, the one who can completely and permanently take away the sin of the world. You know, tonight there are so many substitutes for Jesus Christ. And the enemy works very hard to say, well, you need this, or you need this, or Jesus isn't worth anything. You don't need to follow him. It's too hard. God makes too many demands. It can't possibly be through God coming into flesh. That couldn't be a way to get saved. You've got to have a part of it. The Satan keeps lying and lying and lying. And yet this text tells us there's only one true Savior. Do you know him? Do you trust him? Or are you chasing after anything and anything other than him? See, the enemy will keep presenting fraudulent option after fraudulent option. But there's only one Emmanuel. There's only one God with us. And he came to redeem us. That's why the shepherds hurry to find him and they leave the sheep because there's no more need for sheep. And then look at the conclusion of verses 16 and 17. The spirit implies very clearly that they were in awe as they came to adore him. We know that by how quickly and how pervasively they spread the message. Think about the range of emotions just in that hour. They're in the field, and it's quiet, and they're kind of maybe dozing a little bit or just having a little conversation, talking a little bit, and all of a sudden, boom, there's the angel, and the angel tells them this news, and then while they're still digesting that emotionally, then the sky is filled with a multitude of heavenly angels, and they're praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, glory to God in the highest, and then the angels disappear, and it's like, what was that? And they go into Bethlehem and they leave the flocks. They make a decision that will forever change their lives. And they go into Bethlehem and they find the baby. And as soon as they find the baby and Mary and Joseph and they worship him and then they leave. And they don't just run back to the fields and say, well, that was an exciting night. It says that they start to go around. Remember, it's the middle of the night, and they start to go around, and they start to say, you got to know what we heard. you got to know what we saw, that which we have seen and that which we have heard. First John 1 says, now we declare to you. The shepherds didn't stop and compartmentalize the news and say, well, that was great. They go out and tell anybody and everybody that they can find that there is hope, that heaven has sent a Savior, that it is available to anybody. Throughout this Christmas season, we've been looking at the theology of Christmas carols, and there's a line that we'll sing in a few moments from Silent Night that's really stood out to me this year. Joseph Moore wrote the lyric. It says, Silent Night, Holy Night, Shepherds Quake at the Sight. Now, I believe Moore was referring to the fact when they see the angels, but how much more overwhelmed were they when they saw baby Jesus lying in the manger? And they said, that's the one that the angel said is the Savior of mankind. Babies are cute, and, and babies are inspirational, but this 
baby put them in awe, and they worshiped him right there in the stable. And then they said, we've got to tell everybody about this because God has intervened in mankind, and God has sent a Savior, and this baby, this child, will change our lives for eternity. This is the baby that Herod will strike out at and try to eliminate into desperate gasp by the enemy. But this is the baby that the wise men will come and worship. This is the baby that will grow up and fulfill the law. This is the baby that will go to the cross. This is the baby that will defeat sin and death forever. God with us. God with us. I love that Spurgeon video because it is a fact forgive me, that we take for granted. God with us. God with us. God came to be among us. On Christmas Eve, are we in awe? Will we forget about it in two hours when we're eating dinner and opening presents? Will, will we stop being in awe Will our worship and praise stop? God with us. How would we have worshipped if we had been there on that night? What would I have done? What would I have said? What would my response have been if I had been one of the shepherds that heard from the angel and went into town and found that baby laying there? What would my life have been? Well, you say, well, that would have been incredible first person. And I say to you, if you're saved, you've experienced it first person. What are our lives like now? They went out and they announced his birth. Just hours before, they were sitting in the field, wasting time without a lot of purpose in their life. Now they're going from house to house, door to door, knocking. Got to tell you something. Got to hear it. There's good news. God's, God sent the Savior. We've waited so long. Wake up. Come on. Wake up. God has sent the Savior. Do we have that kind of passion for the Lord? Oh, God, give us that in 2015. Give us that kind of passion for you. That every person we talk to, everybody we see, we say, have you heard the good news? God has sent a Savior. Oh, this world needs it so desperately tonight. It so desperately needs a Savior. And God hasn't sat back and said, tough luck. God has said, here he is. Here's Jesus. They saw the baby. They saw God with us. And they went out rejoicing. Joyful and triumphant. In anticipation of what Christ would do 33 years later when he went to the cross and then defeated sin and death forever. God has come down and been with us. And the reason he came down is to redeem us. If you don't know him tonight, if you've never trusted him, I said it earlier and I'll say it again, right now is the time to trust him. Not in 10 minutes, not in 10 hours, not next week, not as the new year begins. Right now is the time to trust him. God sent his son so that we can be redeemed from sin. And if you've never done that, I pray, I pray you'll do it right now. 